Hello and welcome back to the Schooner Pod. I'm Bobby Howard. With me today, we've got Jameson. We've got Ty, as always. Uh, and look, this one's a bit complicated. The Sooners win a pretty massive game, uh, 50 to 20 in their home uh, Big 12 opener against Iowa State. Um, but this one it feels a little less clear cut. There are a couple fans who are upset about a couple pretty bad breakdowns. And a couple fans are trying to poo-poo it away. Because at the end of the day, it's a cover. It's a very solid win. Uh, the Sooners didn't look ahead against Iowa State. But um, we're going to break all of that down and more. Um, I will say, though, if you're looking for Texas coverage, you're going to have to wait a little bit. Because we are putting a lot into that. Uh, we will have our traditional Texas preview. We'll have our state fair food preview. All of that's coming. Just be patient. It will it will uh, take a little bit of time for us to get that going. We have to kind of take care of business and uh, take out Iowa State. But uh, guys, welcome onto the show. Uh, happy to talk about this one. And uh, Ty, I'll let you kick this one off. Um, what did you think about this game? A um, lot to like, a couple things mm -hmm. to dislike. But overall, I think a pretty interesting performance from Oklahoma. Yeah, like you said, Bobby, no look ahead podcasting here. We're going to take care of business first. Uh, overall, I really liked what I saw. I mean, Matt Campbell, you know, all jokes aside, always brings his A game against Oklahoma. Obviously, different coaches, you know, different players, different systems that can change, but it seems like he always brings his A game against uh, OU. There obviously were some breakdowns on the defense, but I think the biggest thing that I saw from this one is. No one was really expecting a ton, a ton out of this OU team this year. I think everyone kind of reasonably expected big steps forward from last year in a rebuilding year. And uh, the big thing that I saw in this game that I think is a really good indicator of things to come is just how much we adjusted at halftime. It seems like, you know, not to beat a dead horse, but Lincoln Riley teams just never adjust at halftime. Look at them versus Colorado this past weekend. Uh, but national championship winning teams, you know, not to put the card in front of the horse, are always in the past two decades, the teams that really adjust after half. And if we can continue to be a team that always wins the second half, we're going to go good places. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was the exact same thought that I had in this game, because we can look at it in the negatives. Yes, we had, you know, big play after big play in the first quarter allowed them to get 20 points really quickly. Yeah, we can talk about the negative there, but how we responded for the rest of the game is, I feel like, a really, really big deal because this was a low-stakes situation that got to test us through adversity. Whenever our defense is not playing up to the parts had in the first couple games, can they come back and find new momentum and you know, lead a new shutdown for the rest of the game. And that's what they did. Because it's really, really easy for a defense to get in its head and things to snowball really quickly. Yeah, absolutely. And I believe, um, I can't remember who said it after uh, the game. I think it might have been Jaden. It might have been Jaden Gibson. I'm double checking my likes. Our old friend Josh Calloway had a, no, it was uh, Eli Letterman uh, brought up a quote on uh twitter slash x whatever uh that said someone punches us in the mouth we fit a punch them back i remember some games last year we got punched in the mouth mouth man i feel like we never covered last year this year i feel like we can recover from anything and i feel like oh you did recover from anything because there were a lot of pretty demoralizing uh plays that iowa state did uh put out on offense but you know like you two have said the second that second half started 
all of that went away. Mm-hmm. So the ability to recover from the mistakes honestly are just that that's just as important as you know preventing the mistakes to happening in the first place you have to you have to know you have to be able to bounce back from that that's the second best thing you can do rather than just making sure they don't happen so um i i know people are probably you know a, a little grumpy about it i get it you know it had shades of alex grinch but you know overall really really solid defensive performance overall um and then offensively obviously putting up you know, putting up half a hundred on Iowa state, very imp- impressive stuff. This is a program that is usually pretty solid defensively. And I think we could just kind of lean right into the offense here, guys. And uh, start with, start with the guy who put on an absolute show, Dylan Gabriel against Iowa state, three passing touchdowns, 366 yards, two rushing touchdowns, 37 yards, and a 95.7 QBR did have a pick. That one was a bit of a, a goose, but you know, it was, kind of if you watch the replay he does not run the route correctly and dylan gabriel threw it to the spot and jaleel farouk ran his crossing route too wide and essentially screwed over gabriel gabriel was pissed at him so i'm not gonna damn dylan gabriel for that pick at all i think jaleel farouk just did not run a clean route that's fair i i haven't had a chance to really really dive into the uh film yet so that's a good catch there, but overall pretty solid performance. I feel like that was one of the best performances we've seen Dylan Gabriel put on Uh, really gutty, really solid, just overall uh, performance from DG there. Um, And uh, Jameson, what will you, so actually no Ty, What what did you think about it? Yeah. Yeah. No, look, it was, it was good. Right. Look at that. The known Dylan Gabriel lover now. Okay, well, no. So there's some asterisks because again, it's about it's about good enough, right? And if it works, it works. At the end of the day, you win the game. You win the game. I think if you go back and watch the tape, right, it's up for debate. But there were two really good deep ball completions that I think against a competent defense, both would have been interceptions, like egregiously underthrown. The receiver would just have to stop, you know, and just happen to the the announcers. Uh, both times use the term put on the brakes and they'll fly right by uh, like in Top Gun. That's generally not how you prefer to throw a deep ball because the defenders are usually the ones that are there um, to catch it. But really, really good game using him like he needs to be used. And I think we saw a really complete game from him. And I saw very, um, you know, hints of, of really good, really solid offensive leadership that I think is a really good indicator. I mean, he ran somebody over to get a, a touchdown in and, and that's, maybe more of an indictment on that Iowa state defender, but uh, yeah, it was a really, really solid game for him. And I, I don't understand at this point, people who are maybe still calling for him to be replaced. No, he looks like he's been there and done that. And obviously we've talked about it all the time with his career stats and, Oh, he could become this record holder, blah, blah, blah. No, like legitimately the way he's carrying himself on the field right now, you can tell he's been there and done that. And for a game upcoming with the red river coming up, you want quarterbacks who've been there and done that and have that composure and lead the offense like you're saying, Ty. And you could see that the way that he was commanding his wide receivers and his running backs and his offensive line. He's the leader on this offense, and I think that's a really, really important characteristic to have. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that leadership role, you know, because, he, again, I think we've seen better quarterbacks at OU and we'll see better quarterbacks at OU, but he he just has – he ha- like – he has that anchoring presence that you really need, uh, especially entering a massive game like OU Texas. And 
that's good because I feel like we saw him a little shaky uh, against Cincinnati. Um, obviously, he feels better at home. I feel like, um, mm-hmm. but you know, this is this is the type of performance we need to see out of Dylan Gabriel going forward if we want to see OU really, really, uh, you know, make some waves in the Big Twelve and you know, potentially nationally. Here's a big here's a big question on on Dylan Gabriel. I I kind of know the answer to this. Uh, you know, Blake would get on to me for asking a question that I don't already know the answer to. But is this upcoming Red River game again? Not to jump ahead of ourselves, is this the biggest game that Dylan Gabriel's ever played in? Absolutely. Yeah. There's there's no be. doubt about it. This game is going to be the biggest game that the majority of this team has played. I I can't think of a player on this team i guess other than like a trace ford because the context of oklahoma state playing oklahoma is just such a big deal but i don't know if any of these players have really played in a bigger game than this upcoming game on saturday did trace ford play in that big 12 championship against baylor hmm I don't, know. I don't know. That would maybe maybe that, but yeah. atmosphere but still. Wise, but nothing, this is still like, like a de facto Big Twelve championship. This is like a Big Twelve championship, either like alt automatic qualifier, you know, because I just don't see any way, shape, or form the winner of this game doesn't go to the Big Twelve championship. The way the Big Twelve looks right now. Yeah, I, I mean, one of them for sure. I think it's a, it's a pretty much a lock. I would say. Um, if you win, you're probably going there just given like you, like you said, it's like West Virginia is the only one who I feel like could prevent a repeat. And you saying that out loud just really says like a lot about the big 12. Exactly. (laughs) The the shield shield is looking a little rusty. They let the riffraff in. Bring it up Wednesday and, and, uh, we'll hear a different story about how West Virginia is actually a quality opponent. Should not be yeah, underestimated. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. But but let's get back just talking about Iowa State. We'll have our Texas talk. Um, but I, I was really impressed with Dylan Gabriel. Obviously, he should be kind of the leading person for game balls. But let's move on and talk running backs, Bobby, because I think there's still a lot of questions when it talks with running backs, because I think we've seen enough of the sample size, and we were already kind of speculating this last week is it's just they're not going to be that special. Marcus Major is a pretty average running back, and he's just not doing things to pop off the page too much. Yeah, they might break one tackle every once in a while, but we had that one Tawi Walker huge run. I think it was like 60 yards that got called back with a penalty. Mm-hmm. Other than that, our running backs are not really changing like the momentum of the drives. They're putting the passing attack into a position to succeed sometimes whenever they get four or five-yard carries. But... I don't think these running backs are going to be any kind of game changer whenever we play big time opponents. Yeah, no, I, I mean, it, it's clear that that's not the case, especially with Marcus Major, um, who continues to get the lion's share of carries. He had 19 carries compared to Sawchuck's seven and Tawi Walker's four. Um, and I, I believe Ty brought this up a couple of weeks ago and might have even been last week of, you know, what you want to see in a running back. What, what, what you want to see out of a running back, you know, entering i can't remember which game it was but it was they had to break out big yards you know these big runs and they just don't exist they continue to not exist um so that's certainly um you know disheartening um i think we've clearly seen enough of marcus major uh I, I, he's just not he's either either one of two things is true either marcus major is the best we have and the rest of the room isn't very good 
That's or Tawi Walker. I, I think Tawi Walker's been pretty solid every time I see him. Mm-hmm. Um, Javante Barnes is apparently still hurt dealing with, you know, like an injury that has been kind of lingering since summer. Um, so uh, you, you never really know with that. But I mean, I, I think we could definitely say that Marcus Major, if he is the guy, this running back room is not very good. And it's kind of a problem. Yeah, they're just kind of they're kind of there. Again, it's it's a weird problem to address. I feel like we have sort of the same talking points every week. It's it, if they haven't been explosive to this point, I don't know that they will be. You know, we always talk about this OU schedule again ignoring next week, but it's not necessarily the most challenging schedule, but I don't think what we have going forward is any easier than what we've already been through. And the fact we haven't seen a lot of these big, obviously we saw one that got called back, but we just haven't seen an ability to create explosive, you know, plays or dynamic plays or plays that could potentially change the game or even plays that, you know, an opposing team just has to be conscious of in their game planning. I think, you know, Texas is probably sitting in a room somewhere having the same discussion right now. You know, how much do we actually have to respect this, Oh, you run threat. And I just, I feel like it's not a whole lot, but at the same Mm -hmm. time, we haven't necessarily seen, you know, huge issues from them. I, we're not seeing, you know, ball security issues would be, you know, really the main one that you see. They're able to create yardage. You know, I feel like major for a lot of the game, you know, I think for over half of his carries, they were decent carries, but then he just has these, you know, situations where just he specifically, it's just not there, that that ability to sort of create things. So I think we're just in a situation where, again, we have to count on being good enough. And uh, at this point, my expectations for the running back room are just sort of shifting towards zero mistakes. I'm not expecting much more than two or three yards per carry, uh, you know, throughout the game. But if we can just not have really any mistakes, I would like to see them take over. And again, some of it is schematic but i would like to see them be able to take over short yardage a little bit more because i just don't want dylan gabriel having to be in a situation where he has to truck someone over uh, for a touchdown but that was it that was that was my spiel it didn't have a natural <laughs> no it's okay i, I thought I, mean, I froze for a half just kind of no. <laughs> i thought everyone i realized that was out of stuff and i was like <laughs> i just gotta cut it or i'm gonna go on well, a everyone tangent. was also like not moving for a half second i was like oh yeah no <laughs> It was all yeah. all three of us at once we just weren't moving. But I, I think it says something. Much with, like the OU running game. <laughs> I think it just says three something of us. Dylan Gabriel. Nobody's going anywhere. When Dylan Gabriel is uh, you your second leading major. rusher. Like that's that's not great. You know, that's no. a, a DG is a serviceable runner. He certainly has heart, but I mean, that's just not that's not great. That's really not great at all. Mm, I've been really disappointed in Gavin Sawchuk. I, I feel like I had a high expectation for him coming into the season. Like, I think there was like in the preseason where I was talking about, I think this could be the guy who could be taking the first snap of the season. Obviously he had that injury that took him out right before um, the kind of killed his momentum. But if you're talking about things that we're wanting from the running back room right now, we're saying we want more explosion. We want more playmaking ability. That is Sawchuk. Marcus Major, we know he's a known commodity and he is doing exactly what he does. He'll break a tackle or two and he'll get you an extra three or four yards, but the big plays is not really his game. Tawi Walker, he's small and he's like a bowling ball, but even whenever he had that long run after with the penalty, 
he really lost steam about 30, 40 yards through. Like he was running slower. Like that is not new for him. Gavin Sawchuck's a guy that hopefully you see they gave him seven carries this game, even though we thought they were going to avoid and kind of move on from the young running backs, which Avante Barnes and Sawchuck getting their huge run in the Tulsa game. Hopefully this shows that maybe he can get his momentum going and get some more consistent carries and find a role within the offense. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> agreed. And I, I got to say my, my only idea with this running back room, and it might be a little bit of copium on my end is that we've just been saving. We've just been saving Javante Bards this entire time. And he's going to run for 200 yards on UT. Next That's week. not going to happen. But what if it did? You never know. That, that is so I, I feel like we haven't used the word gooner a lot this year. And I think that's because we've been kind of happy with the way we're playing. So there's not a lot of, you know, I haven't heard much on Twitter of people being really like whiny or I guess also not being in state. I haven't got to hear the people call into the sports animal afterwards, which I really enjoy people yelling at Al and Jim, you know, on campus corner. Maybe that's just maybe stop thinking about this, um, the stupid gooner fans. Um, but to be honest with you, I think that they'll, they'll come out here pretty soon. Okay, my favorite current Gooner trend has been in the upper deck. There'll be times where people stand up and stand up, turn around, and just stare at the press box to try to be like, "What are you doing, Jeff Levy?" To be like, to, <laughs> to, like, like Levy's looking down on them and knows that he's know that they're disappointed. I kind of like that though. <laughs> they, 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 they don't say, they don't even boom. They don't say anything. They just stare. No, I like amazing. that. It's, I it's like incredible. That. <laughs> this happened with multiple different people last night, and I, 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 I kind of love it, um, especially, especially in a, in a game where, like, I think offensively, other than the running backs not looking great, it was pretty smooth. So. Yeah, our passing game, um, honestly, is our strength of our offense, and it's obvious. And it's getting to the point where we are really spreading the wealth around to our wide receivers. We really need to start putting Nick Anderson as the number one outside wide receiver. I don't think he's getting nearly enough snaps comparative to like Jalil Farouk. And I don't want to overreact because I, th I know Jalil Farouk is very talented. But with him screwing up that route and Dylan getting mad at him and Nick Anderson just, I feel like he's done nothing wrong. Every time he touches the ball, it's like electricity this year. Can we get more touches from Nick Anderson other than this two catch 56 yard game that he had? I mean, it's it's pure efficiency. Every time he touches the ball, it's magic. Uh, I mean, he had that one. I mean, he had that one game against Tulsa where it was like he had three catches, three touchdowns. It's 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 and not to compare Nick Anderson to Randy Moss because obviously, oh my god, here he is, wide gap there. <laughs> but it's kind of Mossish, the like the way he is being used, not in talent. He has a long way to go, and I, you know, hey, who knows? Sky's the limit. But um, just in terms of like, you know, when he's available, that's a touchdown. That's magic right there. And I don't know if it's the way he's being covered or, or what, but um, man, he has been showing up in some big time moments for OU. I believe he already has five touchdowns this season, which is really, if you look at it, um, one of the fastest, uh, it's the fastest a Sooner has gotten to five touchdowns in a season given uh, either touches or like t just touches in general um which is he had like yeah. he's only done it on 17 touches which is yeah. crazy 10 10 catches 10, 10 catches, catches. season 
That's, that's just ridiculous. 50%. Yeah. Just pure efficiency. Um, so I would love to see him get more um, because he's, he's been nothing but just re- like remarkable. And I gotta say as a whole, this wide receiver room, you know, we, we had our doubts entering the season. It's been one of our best units by far. Mm-hmm. Emmett Jones, the work he's done has just been remarkable. This, this wide receiving core is awesome. Yeah, I, I really feel like it's, and I think anyone watching has probably felt that it's taken a step forward in the past couple of, of weeks. And I really think it's it's really down to Nick Anderson, in my opinion. Like when I watch Andrew Anthony, I still see really good things from him. Obviously, you know, Farouk here and there, but uh, good things from him. I think, um, you know, a lot of people have taken a step forward. Gavin Freeman, for some reason, couldn't think of his name. Um, I can see him starting to develop a little slowly, but but I'm seeing development from Freeman. Drake Stoops, you know, coming back, I think getting, I think he's at 100% now. I, I think he had a, you know, week or two of still recovering a little bit from his uh, little bit of a bang up that he had early on in the season. But Nick Anderson really stepping up, I feel like he's had the most significant improvement. And then like y'all talked about, and just in terms of converting opportunities to success, you know, 50% touchdown on, on receptions. If you're talking about 10 receptions, five touchdowns is really, really good. So it, yeah, it does come down, I think to, you know, if you have someone who is converting opportunities to success at that rate, then we just got to look and see how can we get him more opportunities. And obviously, you know, he's benefiting from being sort of a, a lower name on the depth chart to some opposing teams, or at least has the couple past couple of weeks, I'm sure, you know, if Texas sees him out there, they're going to have a completely different, oh, this guy's on the field reaction than, you know, Iowa State or people just previous to this development. But yeah, I, I really don't think that you can overcredit Nick Anderson, uh, his individual contributions to where we feel that this receiver room is right now. Because I think if you removed him from it, we would sort of see a receiver room that's broadly similar to week two. Here's, here's my thinking with this wide receiver room, and I feel like I've seen this a lot from OU fans. It's it's always like, Jaden Gibson, great. He needs more touches. You know, Nick Anderson, he needs more touches. Like, Andrew Anthony, wow, look at this guy. He, he needs to get more touches. I haven't heard it a lot about Jalil Farouk yet, even at the beginning of the season. It's like, where's Jalil Farouk? Um, he showed up. He's still extremely talented. But in terms of what we're – in the types of opponents and games that we've been playing as of recently – you know, there's really only so much you can do in terms of how many touches you can give to all these wide receivers. So there's going to be some games where you're going to have, like like this game, Jalil Farouk dominated the receptions at the outside wide receiver position. Then there's going to be some games where Andrew Anthony does it. He's done it a couple times this season. So um, I think that what we're trying to get might not even be realistic but I think I just want to see one of the games this season. It doesn't have to be every game. One of the games this season where Nick Anderson's the guy who gets like seven catches. Yeah. And we've, I mean, we've seen it where there is that variation, you know, Andrew Anthony has been borderline, you know, probably the most, the biggest surprise on offense this year in terms of making a difference from last year, uh, from last year to this year, obviously is at Michigan last year, but having him, has changed a lot. This is a game where he had one catch and offensively we were fine, right? Wide receiver wise, we were fine because Farouk 
Anderson, even a little bit of Brennan Thompson, which we'll talk a little bit about, um, mm-hmm. you know, stepped up and provided that production. And it's kind of like what Ty, Ty, you've been saying about how sometimes being the wide, or wide receiver two can be helpful. In a way, it's like you have to pick your poison because somebody's going to step up and produce regardless of, you know, coverage. You can't cover everybody. The way OU spaces everything out, you it's it's just it's it there is not a weak weak link on this wide receiver uh room at all, it feels like. Yeah, I think so. I, I think if you're a team at this point of the year looking to you know counter this Oklahoma passing attack, and this is not attack an attack on Dylan Gabriel, but I think the the natural solution no matter who the quarterback is in this situation is, is you just have to figure out how to consistently dial up pressure on a, on a quarterback, especially one that while he's gotten better at, at making reads and going down his list of options still has a bit of a tendency to kind of target fixate on his option. Number one, at this point of the year, we just have people who can make it happen across the board. I feel like there's a lot of parody and a lot of, uh, you know, across this, this receiver room and, like you just said, Bobby, cover one and the other ones are going to make it happen and they're going to hurt you. Um, and, and I think right now that's a, certainly a big dilemma for a lot of teams. It'll be interesting to see how that's countered going down the road. For sure. And I know we're like, right. I, I agree that that balance is, is so important. And James said, I, I, I know we want to move on to game balls soon, um, but I do want to ask about Thompson a little bit. So mm-hmm. This is like the kind of the first time we've seen him all season. What what do, what do you think about him? Do you, were you impressed? Do you think he is someone who could be a, a regular contributor down the line, or was yeah. it just like kind of a fun little gimmick? Yeah, he he got his long catch, and that's what we anticipated. Kind of, at least I anticipated in the preseason. I know some people have mixed feelings on him because he was the fun new toy that we got from Texas. It was like, oh, great speed! Anytime you can get speed, it's great. You know the way this wide receiver room is set up. And the way he came in a little bit later into the fold, you know, I just don't think he's going to be a guy that's going to be getting, you know, Andro Anthony type of volume. He will have games this season. He'll probably have one or two more games this season where he gets another deep ball, you know, but he's going to be coming in with the second and third unit. It's fun to see it because obviously whenever you have weapons like him, you should use them every once in a while, especially whenever the secondary is starting to get a little bit gassed and you've had the same wide receivers out. Whenever you can bring in a guy like him who's completely fresh and is, hasn't had any snaps and you can give him a go route or like you know, a slant and go, like a one-move go, and try to really press those corners and safeties without have been a little bit tired, that's where I think his role is. I don't think it's going to be like a big volume play for the rest of the season with Brennan. Yeah. So, simply put, just not enough catches uh, to go around. Um, so mm-hmm. um, also great performance from Jaden Gibson. That touchdown was awesome. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, see the little thumbnail. Um, I feel like our wide receivers are just straight up tougher this year. Um, oh, yeah. So that's that, that's just been really fun to watch. It had shades of the... Uh, uh, Jalil Farouk touchdown against uh, SMU. So, mm-hmm. all right, uh, let's move on to our offensive game balls here. Ty, I'll let you kick us off here. Who are you giving the game ball to? Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's pretty easy. It's got to be someone who made things happen through the air. So I got to give it to the guy. One reception, one touchdown, Billy Bowman Jr. 
I love it. I was like, where is he going with this one? I, I think everyone's got to pick Dylan Gabriel here. And if you don't, you're trying to be OU hipster where you want to be different. It's Dylan yeah. Gabriel. Next question. Yeah, we don't need to do that. Pod, the thing we've done before where we're like, well, Jackson Arnold. We Jackson Arnold, because he showed some heart. You know, it showed up and stabilized the offense at the end. The, the Oklahoma uh, Pride Award. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah, no, great performance from DG. Filled up the stat sheet and, you know, might be underappreciated at times. Uh, but he put up the numbers. Just like uh, Landry Jones, who was an, actually in attendance. Don't compare him to Landry Jones. I've thought what about. Did, I've thought what about. What did Landry Jones do to deserve that? Put up, put up big stats, just like Dylan Gabriel has in his career. They both I are know. men of many mm. big yards and stats. Big Landry yards Jones passed the eye test a good bit of a good bit of the time. Yeah, it, it, but they're he, very different. It, they're very different. They are different as quarterbacks, but it's more of a, you know, as an archetype of putting up big numbers, but never properly kind of respected. Yes. But yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. DG and Billy Bowman (laughs) get the offensive game balls. All right, let's move on to our next uh, side of the ball, the defense. So here's the thing. If you look at the tail of the tape, if you look at the stats, good defensive performance, you know, Iowa State was only held to 16 first downs. They were four of 15 on third down. Uh, OU got two picks, including that pick six, and only, you know, some like 352 total yards. Um, most of those total yards came on two big plays. Uh, so that's really like what a lot of people will focus on on this one. Some people would call it call it a bad defensive performance, but holistically, I feel like it was pretty good if you can trim those out. James, uh, James, what do, you, mm-hmm. what do you think about it as a whole defensively? Yeah, so let's just kind of like walk through it. So that first touchdown drive for Iowa State, it was a 51-yard touchdown. And then obviously they had, they had 20 and 14 before that, so they, they were just moving. And then that next drive where they went and got a field goal, they also had more big plays. Um, they had a 39-yard run right off the bat. And that following drive, um, we know that was also a 67-yard pass. These are big things. But when it comes down to it, yes, giving up big plays is something to be concerned about. But those are a couple plays amongst a very large sample size of this game. And we saw in the second half, things went back and kind of regressed to the mean in terms of not giving up big plays. Um, was it a look ahead like we talked about earlier? I think it's very obvious whenever you're at home, you're in your own comfort zone, and you're thinking about the one of the best college game day OU football experiences we've had as of recently. Next week, damn right these players might have had their shoulders a little bit slouched a little bit and not keened up and ready to kind of play to where it just takes one step wrong, and then all of a sudden there's a guy running behind you for a long touchdown. Big plays in a look-ahead situation doesn't have me concerned as much if, for say, Iowa State led 15, 16 play drives like we saw last year, where just they would get to third and short and then convert, and then they get to fourth and short, and we just couldn't get them off the field. I at least feel like this is a little bit more fixable. Yeah. No, I'm with you because, like, those breaks, you know, it's easier to kind of get over that sort of thing. Um and it, it they they both of those big touchdowns kind of felt 
weird. I don't know. If you look at if you look at the way that the safeties were kind of playing it, you know, uh, there was one where I think it was Key Lawrence was just like it almost looked like he was reading the football the wrong way and thought the ball was going in one way for a pick and just ended up halfway across the field in a weird spot. Rocco just, backed it, with his wonderful, wonderful eye play. I always knew he was a good quarterback. Yeah. Rocco. I, that's the thing is I, I feel like in a lot of ways too, the, the defense kind of got bailed out when Rocco backed, like kind of started because there were time, times where Rocco backed, you know, he was throwing some checks. He couldn't cash. You know, that, that, because it wasn't even that it was necessarily a hard throw, but just, you know, he, a better quarterback could have exploited the defense a little bit more, but Rocco back to, you know, he, he was Cinderella, but he turned back into a pumpkin by the time that second half came around uh, for, for a couple moments. Um, but yeah, just, just, just weirdness on those breaks. Yeah. I think, I think you really, the best way I can, I can put it is sort of, we were seemed to be performing pretty well. And then all of a sudden, um, Iowa State showed up and and uh, they started flexing at our club, throwing money everywhere. Uh, but then it, it ultimately turned out that they were flexing with money that they got through high interest payday loans, uh, and the interest caught up <laughs> there at the end. But uh, or maybe you know, Jameson, yeah, Jameson had a good a good point though. I mean, it's it, or both of you did. It's big mistakes are, I think, less worrisome to me if you don't have a whole lot of them, then like Jameson said, people just stringing together drives. They were ultimately, you know, in the grand scheme of things, statistical anomalies. Obviously they're not to excuse big plays like that. They, they cannot happen going down the road with some of the opponents that we have left. But yeah, if you exclude those as, as outliers, this was a very, very solid defensive performance. And if we can sort of polish up those things that caused those mistakes, I don't think that you can look at this defense to this point. Again, we haven't faced necessarily the best opponents, but I don't think you can look at this defense and say, oh yeah, there's a big critical vulnerability there, or you know, there's a big potential point of failure there or, or something else. Mistakes are going to happen, especially at the college level. And um, you know, not great to see them happen, but it, it was not something that I'm necessarily worried about going forward. Mm. Yeah, I will say the weakness continues to be I want to, to get more sacks. It's just as simple as that. Only getting one in this game is just disappointing for me. And I keep saying it over and over, and I'm tired of saying it. But I've already made my opinion on this pass rush. Obviously, it can be better. But I want to see it in the next game. You know, I keep trying to find this silver lining. You know, like early on, I was like, these opponents were were very outmatched. So obviously their scheme is not going to be sit in the pocket and try to dissect the defense. All they're trying to do is get quick routes and get ahead. You know, what's going to happen versus Texas whenever they put Quinn Ewers back and he can go through three or four different reads. What does our pass rush look like then? We've been really good about bringing pressure to the quarterback because we're blitzing a lot through our linebacking position. But can our defensive ends go out and make a big play next week? will be a very, very important thing to see because the defensive end game, although I've been like seemingly content with it, the pass rush, I feel like can really go up in terms of our ceiling of this defense. Yeah, no, I mean, absolutely. Pass rush is a concern. Uh, and I think the thing that has been difficult with it is we're struggling to get consistent pressure on teams like Iowa State, Cincinnati, Tulsa, 
what's going to happen at the Cotton Bowl next week when we have Texas's O line, which is as we've know as we know from you know the amount of the gobs of NIL that has been sent to them, uh, is much much improved. That is a big time SEC ready O line, and mm-hmm. the game is going to be significantly different. Um, can you, you know, it doesn't even have to, this doesn't have to be the game where you have to get a billion sacks, but you have to make, you have to make Quinn Ewers feel the heat, uh, or else, you know, he can, he can dissect this team. That's just how Mm. our defense works. You have to apply pressure or else it's just not going to be there. And, you know, I I just, I I think our D line has improved with the transfers, but ultimately you're going to have to, you're going to have to throw some blitzes at them. Uh, if you want to get that pressure, because I don't think D-line play alone is going to be. Yeah, that. we've been having to play too cute. And I understand Rocco's slippery. He's slippery, but still, like <laughs> we're we're going to have to have a really good defensive game plan called by Venables and crew. Speaking of, of sort of defensive game plan, this is a bit of a, a change of pace, but I noticed this in in looking at sort of my homework or my notes for this podcast. This game, if you look at the defensive stats, I felt was a very complete, very team game. Obviously, the tape, you know, can be interpreted um, in in whatever ways. But when you go down and look at just sort of who had tackles, it wasn't necessarily a game where you had one or two guys. Obviously, Stutzman, you know, leading with six tackles, but then a whole bunch of people with four tackles, a whole bunch of people with three tackles, a whole bunch of people with two tackles. There wasn't necessarily one or two people who were just out there, I think, putting it all on the line like we've seen at OU performances in the past. And I think that's a good indicator generally of just really being able to spread out. I think it also, if you read into it, shows that Iowa State was maybe testing all sorts of different parts of this defense and everyone was sort of holding their ground. So I think just looking at the stats, I felt like it was a pretty complete defensive game. I'm curious if you all have thoughts there. Mm. The really the really big thing with it is what we've seen this year. Um, it's the turnovers getting turnovers has been so important for our defensive and its momentum starting off the game on a pick six is so big because we struggled at the beginning with the big plays we've already talked about that ad nauseum getting that pick six right at the beginning was a big deal because if Iowa State would have started off without you know they got ball first and instead of the pick six being a touchdown drive we would have been fighting from behind each time instead of kind of having the momentum in our own hands. And now I understand I'm playing butterfly effect right now. Is there a scenario where if they go out and they get a touchdown instead of a pick six on that first drive, our defense already kind of stops relaxing and plays harder and we don't get this 20-point burst from Iowa State? Absolutely. But I think getting turnovers like we had in the first half from Gentry and Billy is just so big and a thing that OU fans have been crying for and and Alex Grinch is probably watching from afar, like all mad, seeing how often this secondary is getting picks. Yeah, and I feel like the difference between this year and last year, and Brent's brought it brought it up before. A lot of people have talked about it, but the difference is they're actually converting on those mistakes. You know, last year we saw so many times the ball just right in our hands, drop it, or you know, being in position to make a big play and not going through with it and just changing that one little, one little degree has made a world of difference for this defense. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I'm, I fully agree. Yeah. I think weirdly enough, Jameson, with your butterfly effect, I think that would have forced 
um, you know, shout out to Bobby and his take, but it, I think it would have forced, um, you know, OU to, to go back on the sideline and just sort of take the, uh, take the restrictor plates off Javante Barnes and let him go, you know, tear it up because he's our secret weapon who we've just been keeping in in our back pocket. Javante Barnes, I, I, unless he gets 100% healthy, I don't know what you're expecting here. Cause that dude had no agility at all. You know, like, he was, yeah, it's, ugh. um, but, uh, that, that's I what think Texas that's, one. That's what we want Texas to think. Well, okay. Okay. <laughs> this is the second I, coming of Adrian Peterson. You know what? We talk about it every year. You know, there's always some kind of hero that we always expect for in Texas. Obviously it wasn't the case last year, but, but you never know. It, it could be anyone, but kind of like, putting a bow on this game because the defense, it's kind of hard to talk about other than those big play drives, because other than, you know, those plays that like really broke out um, on Iowa state, you know, it was just a sound game. People were in the right spot, making good tackles, you know, forcing Iowa state into third down and longs. And um, I, I think overall it's just, a very average game that's really, really hard to talk too much about like we had in the past. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I mean, it's it, it was just solid. I mean, you can go through and be like, oh yeah, Danny Sutzman, you know, six tackles, two solos, one TFL, one pass deflection. But is that it's really a, impressive? Because no, that's that's just, that might even be less than what we expect from, from him. It's just what he does. It, it's like, a very okay game, and he led the team in tackles. You know what I mean? Like, it's and he stubbed but, his toe. Did you see that? That was funny. Yeah, <laughs> that that scared our section quite a bit when he went out with the injury and said it was a toe stub. Was it? A, was it? Was it like a shoulder thing that he went it out like for? Like a shoulder or an arm? Okay, so he just had a stinger, and he was just joking around about it. Because whenever he says, "Oh, I stubbed my toe," that makes me think, uh. I think he might actually be hurting. He's not, he might not be injured. There's a difference between injured and hurt. If he's kind of like degrading it by saying, I stub my toe, I makes me think that he feels it a little bit, maybe has some pain there. But am I overanalyzing this too much? Cause if it's just a stinger, it'll be away and go away for pretty quickly. I, I mean, I, I, I think he's, it's Danny Stutzman. He's probably just messing around. Um, yeah, I, I'm not too worried. You might be, you might be reverting to work mode. You might be trying to to solve the case here based on the evidence that you have instead of just looking at a, a press conference. Yeah, especially one from Danny Stutzman. Yeah, um, I'm grasping at straws. That's for sure. Maybe, maybe a little bit. Uh, I did have a slide for Peyton Bowen because I thought he had a solid game, and he also, uh, obviously, not defense, but we tend to lump uh, special teams in with defense. Got another punt block, uh, second in five games. Uh, great, for, that was excellent. The the guy just continues to prove to be like absolutely just you have to invaluable. You have to have this guy on the field at all times. Not on offense, but I'm sure he would not be bad on offense if you <laughs> if you really had to put him out there. Um, he's been just pure electricity, and I, I don't mean to talk about the same guys over and over again. But Bowen just great, great performance. No, it's he deserves to be talked about because the amount of momentum you get from a play like a pump block is just so big. Yeah, interceptions fun. But I feel like punt blocks are one of the most momentum shifting plays 
Um, and having two, like you said, in this graphic right here, um, in five games, this one was completely different. The other one, like he got there, you know, and his fingers got it. This one, he could have just grabbed that ball from the kicker's leg. Kind of wish he did because in ended up Trace Ford, Trace Ford jumped on the ball, yeeted it into the end zone like a cat <laughs> with like a little, you know, little toy ball of That's yard. Exactly just, what it looked like. Just pounced <laughs> on you. Um, yeah, the the thing is, is like it, it it's it's interesting to me because I, I feel like I feel like interceptions generally, in my opinion, are, are sort of a bigger of swing towards you because in a, in a pump block situation, 99% of the time you're getting the ball, you know, regardless of the outcome of that play versus an interception, you know, that's a big momentum swing. So I think, but at the same time, it's just a completely different um, effect. You know, when I think about interception, I think about like when I go to Sonic and they remember to put the mint in my bag, right. It doesn't happen all the time, but I appreciate when it happens and it completely changes my breath after the meal right now a pump block that's more like when you order onion rings at sonic but then you also get like one or two tots like end up in the in the that's a big big deal right that's great yeah Yeah. which and honestly are tots better than onion rings not when you're ordering onion rings but it's great it doesn't have it happens very rarely and it's a really exciting thing from sonic it's been months. <laughs> well, I mean, that's not but, go. I mean, that's what I'm saying. When how often do you get pump blocks? It's mm-hmm. I, I'm with you on that. I think the rarity is like what that's, makes that's it what cool. that was my point. That's yeah. that, that was essentially yeah. why I was saying exactly. it's it's a bigger deal because like interceptions, they happen almost every game. There's not a lot yeah. of games out there in college football where you don't have one interception in it. Pump blocks, it's not that common. Think about just how mundane the punt is. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's one of those where you know it's going to happen. Usually, a fair catch. Nothing really spectacular is going to happen. Um, so when something like that does, you don't see it coming, and it's just, yeah, your head just you know alarms going off like, oh my god, this is awesome. It's yeah, it, it, it was it was a cool it was a cool experience in the stadium last night. People were pumped did, until quick Ford yeeted the ball. <laughs> Uh, which again, safeties are great, but also Trace, buddy. I, I think that you're you're describing it like the cat and yarn is so perfect. I don't know yeah. if you came up with that or saw it somewhere, but is it was I, that is that you, Bobby? So I mentally thought of that in the stadium. I was like, it okay, like that is perfect. Yeah, <laughs> I I very much. If someone else wrote it too, then great minds think alike. But genuinely, I thought of that in the stadium. First thing to come to mind. Uh, I, I will go up. I will go up and mention once again. If you really look at it, a a safety is the best possible thing because that's the only way that you can get points and then also immediately get the ball. So I did think it did I did think that when it happened. That's in a fair. better, yeah, it did result in a bit of a better outcome because we essentially turned the play into you know nine points for us versus just you know six or seven or yeah. Whatever. Did we score on that next drive? Um, for sure. Let's let's let me make sure. Or was that the drive where we uh, missed the field goal? Uh, I don't know because I I think that's after we kind of started turning the corner. Uh, is how I remember it. So no, I thought the pump block was got early we got on. a we got a field goal on the next play on the next drive. Okay. So yeah, cool. yeah can bad. I can we just talk about our special teams because we've talked about it a little bit um this season, but yeah, I, Schmidt. His kicks that you know the win in 
still look horrible. Like, they are just absolutely wobbly messes. And then, like, how bad is Plaster having to change? He's going rugby style now just to hope that he can get it farther down the field. That dude has no leg. Like, I, yeah. I, what, what, what's going – have we heard anything about Elzinga? Um, like, in terms of, like, I heard I was, like, you know, a 50-50 or on the depth chart in the preseason. And now it's, like, Plaster continues to not show much. Like, can we not trot out a different punter, you know, especially early in this? I, I just don't understand it because Plaster, his his leg is like tiny little not good. chicken leg. Yeah, it's not. It's nothing. Yeah, here's, our, our here's, one, bad. here's one for you guys. I think, I think the Dylan Gabriel excuse applies to our special teams. Do we have bad kickers or... Are OU fans just exceedingly spoiled by who we've had for the past couple years in general when it comes to kickers that now that we don't have Jimmy Stevens or Tressway oh, okay. money cut, <laughs> you guys are going to throw a fit even though we have decent kickers. Is so, Oh, I want to replace. Where's the backup kicker? No. He's not doing I, as good. I'm You're not upset about your theory. You're a spoiled OU fan. You're a spoiled OU it's a bad, fan. It's a bad You've theory. You've had NFL not... talent in that position. And now you're throwing a fit when you have that. It should be the expectation, but Dylan Gabriel's talent is close to it, but it isn't. And ladies and gentlemen, is a good kicker. This is about kickers, and you see how defensive they are about Dylan Gabriel. It proves my point. Zach Schmidt, let me tell you something. (laughs) You know, it says a lot about your confidence in a kicker by not like looking at their stats. It's what do you feel like? What is the emotion going through you whenever he sets up for a 35-yard field goal? 35-yard field goal should be guaranteed. We should have no worries in the world. He goes up for a 35-yard field goal. Are there doubts in y'all's brain? Because there are doubts in mine. Because he, Whenever he mm-hmm. missed the 36-yard field goal, he set up, and I'm like, that should be a, you know, a gimme. But there's that still that I feel like tightness in my chest whenever he goes up to kick because I don't yeah. have confidence in him. You shouldn't be surprised about a miss from 36, but Mm -hmm. you know, I'm mad after it, but still like I had this kind of inkling that the something bad could happen. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. And it it is a worrisome thing too, especially because imagine those, you know, situations where, you know, very frequently, I think, and especially with the new clock rules, we're seeing a lot of games that are coming down to sort of last, uh, last couple minute drives, uh, which I think is maybe one of the ideas because that's been a fairly prevalent thing in the NFL for a while. And just not having that option or not having that reliability definitely changes things because it could come down to a situation where we have to kick mm-hmm. a game-winning kick. And it might be a kick that he would have made, but because he's been so inconsistent throughout the year, we say, you know what, we're going to go for it. And then we end up you know, not getting the touchdown or something like that stuff. So, definitely plays into it and i think kicking more than anything else you want it to just be as close to a lock as possible when you throw them out there yeah, yeah. I, I mean absolutely yeah that's that that is what the kickers are, are there for so take care of business and not be talked about but here we are talking about them so that's how you know they're not good um but um do we want to let's wrap this up with a defensive game ball um James, I'll, I'll let you kick this one off. What do you think? Uh, it's Billy Bowman. One, he, it's Billy he, got Bowman. In the, yeah. he got in the end zone. And, you know, other than that, like I said, this defensive game, there weren't a lot of, like, 
I think you could really like pick it apart and find some tiny little small heroes amongst everything, but everyone just kind of did what they were supposed to. You know, other than Gentry Williams getting an interception, there weren't too many flashes of players like, wow, that guy didn't play too much, and I was really impressed with it. It was more so everyone was kind of par for the course. Agreed. And, I mean, on – so I can't remember. It was a podcast on the Prairie. There, uh, Some of them were talking about how nobody really gives Woody Washington credit uh, because he has kind of a silent game defensively. And we have a lot of guys who will, will kind of have those silent games, and Woody – He's been definitely one of them. He's been great. And we haven't talked like we've barely mentioned Woody Washington on the show, but he has been remarkable locking folks down. He's been great, but yeah, game balls. (laughs) Look, we, we, we can be on occasions, a bit of a dumb boy podcast and we forget about that at times. Um, So at, at times you have to pull yourself back and recognize, you know, some of the work being done in the trenches. Woody Washington, shout out to you. But yeah, no, it's Billy Bowman. Got a pick six. It was great. Mm-hmm. Set the tone for the whole game. It was wonderful. All right, Ty, Ty you, got you, some, you got something crazy for us? Uh, yeah, no, a rare both offensive and defensive game ball. They, You would have guessed it's it was Travis Hunter, but the true both-way player, Billy Bowman. <laughs> I, yeah. I would also like to put a bid in for, uh, you know, Delaire and Turner Yale game ball. Oh yes, of course. No, that's a guy. That's that, a guy who just does everything. Once again, yes. much like Bobby's sort of a, his last his last talking point. Guy, you don't really talk about a lot lately, but Delaren Turner, yell. guy guy grinded it out in the Broncos. Still, I think. Oh yikes! Yeah, I think that actually. Might <laughs> and they be won today. I know, but it doesn't matter. They were playing Chicago. <laughs> Chicago is uh, they're trying to get both top two picks in this NFL draft. So like yeah, it's, it's bad. Na- the Bears nasty. are bad, man. Yes, Oof. don't don't you worry. Denver will have their time in the sun again. This is not this is not their time to celebrate. No, they're they're pretty bad. But they let Justin Fields throw all over them, and Justin Fields can't throw worth a lick. Yeah. But this isn't an NFL podcast. <laughs> not an NFL show. Uh, we do, we don't don't talk that too often. But anyways, all right. Um. We don't have any final thoughts in this game. Oh, Matt Campbell. Oh yes, <laughs> like, I, I completely forgot about that. What are you? What? <laughs> yeah, and the fans were saying he was on the hot seat, and he was yelling at fans too, um, walking out of the tunnel. You can tell it's really still getting to him. It wasn't just that one time. Now it's two times that he's yelled at fans. Yeah, and whenever they yell back at him. Ty, as the expert of Matt Campbell dynamics of this podcast, do you think do you think it's coming down to where we won't see Matt Campbell as the Iowa State coach next season? I don't know. I mean, it, it's a it's an interesting situation because it's just both sides have played their cards so terribly. Because at the same time, like you're Iowa State, like who? not trying to shit on Iowa State, but who wants that job? Like, who are they going to get to come in there? You know, I, I don't really know that maybe they'll, like, hire Aranda or Dana Holgerson when they get fired. I don't know. That's I a mean, great it's plan. Like, who would go? Oh yeah, but who God. would go to Iowa State? Like, it's not a it's not a desirable job, I don't think. No. Um, especially with, you know, they're – the big 12 is just getting flooded now with teams that sort of fill their, their similar niche. Like at least they have that little niche of like, we can just kind of be a plucky little give people trouble team. And now that's the entire conference. So 
Yeah, I don't know. I, it, whether he gets let go or not, um, there's no good outcome for either party. It's uh, it's beautiful to watch. I got to say, I, I, I don't think Iowa State's going to fire him. This is a program that had five bowl wins before Matt Campbell, or sorry, five bowl appearances before Matt Campbell came in to the fray. Uh, Campbell's led him to five already, and that includes a New Year's Six game. So he he will have a way, way longer leash than I think people think, uh, just because of who Iowa State is. That being said, Ty, I, I think you have finally been fully vindicated on the Matt Campbell is a, is a coward um, statement, because... I gotta say, him him punting on their own on the fifty, Fourth but five. then deciding to use all three timeouts down thirty. What are we doing? What 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 is that? Is the most performative bull junk I have ever seen? Because it the game wasn't over, like just I've in never the game. heard bull junk before. You haven't been listening. <laughs> Okay, Coach Prime says it all the time. So, oh really? Okay, yeah, I've been a... watching Prime show. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, Prime mentions it here and there. I just, I almost said the real thing, but you know, sponsorship friendly. Um, it's 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 garbage. He he doesn't care about actually trying to make a risk or do something that turns out wrong, but he'll definitely do some performative stuff that makes it look like he's gritty and they're trying. He doesn't care. He he's 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 scared. He's got he's... to be checked out. Yeah, he he needs he's checked out. Um, maybe he was trying to cover the spread, uh, as we know with Iowa State. You know that could be a possibility that they cared about the line, but you never know. <laughs> um, I will say one last thing: Iowa State, you played very well in that first half. You had me scared after my uh, wrestler heel kind of moment in the weekend spread. Uh, fortunately, I repented by calling out the fact that I jinxed OU, and the second that happened, everything worked out better. So I kind of reverse jinxed myself so good mm. on me there uh but um i would like to say we're gonna miss you um you've won Yo, seven games right. against us in 100 plus years uh but you know what i think you're definitely not gonna miss us so yeah i, I think you're right there i know I, I, I was just saying we need we we need to move on and essentially cut off this podcast because we've got so much content coming y'all's way. And um, I know Bobby will kind of have his spiel here, but kind of just for thoughts for the rest of the week, we plan going live on Tuesday or we'll talk about what we think Oklahoma and Texas, the football game will look like. We'll break that down more in depth than we usually break down, you know, our regular weekly opponents because we've seen a lot of texas and we really know what we need to do to win this football game and then my favorite one of my favorite episodes of the year and that's really fun to listen to on the way down to um, dallas if you're doing it our kind of fair preview of how to do things the right way you know where to get your corn dogs where to get your tickets where to get your beer how to handle like getting to, you know, obviously Ty is our, uh, he wants Dart to get our um, uh, sponsorship on this podcast. So uh, we are going to tell you all that in an episode on Tuesday as well. Yeah. The how to do Don't forget the weekend spread on Wednesday too, because we're still oh, doing yeah. that. Weekend spread, always great. Always fun making those picks. But yeah, we, we definitely have to, the, the how to OU Texas pod, one of our favorites every year. That's always a blast. And, you know, plenty of cool food 
to shout out and talk about. We'll talk about the big tax awards. Shout um, out Beer Barn. Shout out Beer Barn. Shout out Beer Barn. If you know, you know. Well, we, we're not gatekeepers here. We'll let you know mm-hmm. um, where Beer Barn's at in that episode. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I, we should do a, a OU Texas Texas State Fair gatekeeping episode. <laughs> where we're just like, oh, there, there's this one food. If you guys knew about it. Mm. <laughs> It's, it's, it's really, it's, really good. It's a way, really good there's this corn one dog. way to get there. There's this one way to get there. If you guys knew about it, it'd change your day. You don't and go to Fletcher's because the Fletcher's corn dog's super overrated. You shouldn't sit in that long. Go and just get the normal foot long corn dog. It's the same thing. And put some ketchup on it too. Ooh. You know, everything's gonna <laughs> everything's yeah. gonna be great. The point of the state fair is to arrive as late as possible. Make, make, you know, it, it'll just waltz right in. It'll be no problem. Uh, but no, like that, that would be a funny show. But yeah, uh, uh, we're going to be getting into that on Tuesday, I believe. Uh, so I'm pretty pumped about that. Um, and obviously the game. Look, if you're if you're watching live on YouTube, which, you know, always fun to add it in. It's undefeated versus undefeated. First time since 2011. So a massive, massive OU Texas, as big as it's been um, in the past decade or so so we're so thrilled to get into this and just can't wait to dive in to all this um and yeah i mean the content will be just just content galore this is christmas for us so we're pumped but um yeah uh for everybody listening live thank you so much for your time on our um you know for checking in listening always appreciate that uh, you could be many places on your Sunday night, but you spent it with us. So could be watching you. Zach Wilson throwing touchdowns right now. Is he? Damn. He, he threw one, <laughs> one yard touchdown. Well, hey, Dylan Gabriel could do that. And you guys would be like, see, I told you he was good. I told <laughs> okay, you he was I got to go watch Taylor Swift, guys. Let me get off this podcast now. Uh, but I, I need watching... to see how many times they showed her. Oh God. Well, if you're watching live now, uh, and have not subscribed make sure to hit that subscribe button give us a like on this video uh and if you're watching or listening on uh spotify apple podcast wherever you listen to your podcast make sure to hit, hit up hit us up with uh, a subscription there as well and rate us five stars we are five star men we haven't mentioned that in a while we had to, had to remind the viewers five star men um but anyways until later till till tuesday have a great have a great kind of two days anyway have a great week boomer sooner beat texas